This podcast is brought to you by Google Search. Google Search helps millions of people across the UK every day, whether they are finding ideas and inspiration, discovering brands, or looking for the best deal. Search is where your customers find what matters to them, so it's where you can find what matters to your business. To find out more, search for Think with Google UK. That's thinkwithgoogle.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Marketing That Matters, a four-part series in which we delve deep into some of the most celebrated and effective campaigns of recent years, as told by the key people behind the activity. Our subject today is the British Army recruitment campaign, This Is Belonging. Launched in 2017, the campaign, which showed the camaraderie of army life, had a simple objective. Widen the recruitment pool by moving away from guns and tanks to images of more human experiences. It was an instant success, propelling applications to record levels and winning a number of awards, notably gold at the IPA Effectiveness Awards in 2018. It was followed in 2018 and 2019 with campaigns aimed at attracting recruits from all walks of life, people of all faiths, snowflakes and selfie addicts included, to quote the latest campaign. To tell the story, I have Nick Terry, Chief Marketing Officer at Recruiting Group, the firm responsible for British Army recruitment, Ron Winlally, Senior Planner at Karmarama, and Rob Fullerton-Batten, Associate Director in Planning at Mediacom. Hello all. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Let me ask you to cast your mind back. What prompted this campaign? What was the perhaps state of Army recruitment that caused you to perhaps rethink your strategy? Well, I guess thinking back to to, to 2016, um, we'd seen that applications to join the army had plateaued. Um, there were a number of factors that were uh, that were that were driving that, if you like. There were some of the external factors. So the fact that at the time there was no major conflict, thankfully, so the army wasn't in the public eye as much. Um, the size of the army had contracted, so between the 1980s up to up to today is roughly halved in size. So just knowing people that were in the army from our target audience perspective was much less likely, and that's a really important driver of consideration overall. And then some of the economic factors around, uh, you know, unemployment was um, was was beginning to fall quite quickly, and particularly in the uh, the army heartlands. You know the north and the northeast, etc., that had been um, sort of happy hunting grounds for army recruitment in years gone past. Um, the number of uh, sixteen and seventeen, sixteen and seventeen-year-olds in the population had declined. With you know, we have an aging population, so the 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 audience size was contracting. Um, and also the raising of the participation age in education meant that there were fewer fewer people that weren't in education. Um, employment or training, people having to stay um, up until they were 18, for example. So this whole need for um, for employment amongst our sort of core demographic had been restricted and that was affecting how we recruited and the performance of that recruiting effort. So recognising that we had, to, we had to address that and meet those challenges head on, I guess. I think also some of the internal factors in how we were organised, the campaigns that had preceded this, had been largely talking to the people that were going to join anyway. So the expected, having lots of action, lots of 
guns and tanks and thing, things going off. Um, we needed to go beyond that to appeal to a slightly different uh, demographic, a slightly different mindset. And that meant going beyond what we'd call our typical core intenders, the people that were going to join anyway. So the odds were considerable. It's no usual marketing challenge. So given all the challenges that you faced, what talk to me about the process involved in finding the insight that led you to the change of direction in the messaging. We needed to find um, an insight that was kind of rooted in what that audience believed, felt, uh, experienced. Um, and given that the natural, I guess, affinity for the army and what it does was was a, a lower point because of the negative perceptions of war, that means we had to look outside of, uh, I guess, the kind of the obvious for those insights. So very much in terms of... Um, Nothing, nothing especially glamorous, I suppose, in terms of, of, of how you go about it, but very much um, from, a, from a media behaviours perspective, from, a, from an audience perspective, looking at how they consume media, what the touch points are, what I guess the category entry points are for them in terms of recruitment, so at what points it, it comes to mind the most, um, but also from a broader contextual perspective, what was important to them really. And at what point did the camaraderie and belonging angle come about so um when we were looking for uh, the insights for this campaign there were kind of two levels of insight we needed for something that was such a big decision for something that was such a long decision um so where we went about finding this was we needed to find one kind of emotional human insight that would speak to that broader group of people that hadn't kind of seen the army as their calling or a necessity and then the other side of it was finding all of those rational drivers and barriers um that would either kind of motivate or prevent people from joining the army so when we talk about insight in this campaign there were actually kind of two sides to it and when we uh, get into kind of the human side of it the emotional side of it that was where we went to the army to speak to kind of what their experiences of army life were like um, and what they'd kind of felt were the reasons they stayed the reasons they joined um, and what that generally happens when you go through that process with soldiers is they first tell you kind of the things you expect the things you've heard uh, things like skills training adventure training uh, all of that kind of adventure but when you get a little bit deeper and when we spoke to soldiers more and more um, we heard about this kind of sense of strong bonds that people had in the army that were kind of um, really uh, deep, really had a strong foundation. And there was something that felt to people different to what they'd had outside in the civilian world. So people in the army talked about um, the fact that it was kind of completely different to when you're joining a football team or a club uh, where you've got your, your mates and you've got that sense of kind of um, comradeship. But in the army, they felt this sense of actually a much deeper, stronger feeling of this. Um, and that is because the things you experience in the army are just completely different um, to the things you experience outside of the army. So you're training together, you're learning things you would never learn outside the army. And of course, you're kind of standing shoulder to shoulder um, in uh, a situation that actually could, be, could mean giving up your life for someone else. So that builds um, a really deep, really strong bonds with the people around you. Um, and we've heard kind of from uh, various people we've spoken to throughout throughout the kind of few years we've been on this um, about how you, you don't kind of care who's around you and who, who is kind of um, who's next to you, what race they are, what nationality they are, kind of where they're from, um, because you all gain this kind of um, this kind of strong sense of team together, kind of whoever it is and wherever you're from. 
Um, so, so this was kind of the the sort of psychological thing that led us into the kind of area of camaraderie and belonging. Um, so we explored that with soldiers, heard lots and lots of different stories from them. And then when we looked outside of the army into kind of the psychological research in kind of what humans need, what people need and what this broader um, audience that we're speaking to could need, um, the research showed us that this was obviously kind of a hugely uh, motivating factor in all of our lives. So when you look at kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, when you go beyond your physiological needs of uh, safety, water, etc., belonging um, is the next need that you have in your life. So we knew it was something that was kind of um, broadly uh, kind of, um, I guess, powerful and motivating as a driver for humans. Um, And this uh, then matched with our segmentation data as well. So um, as Rob mentioned, we had to appeal to kind of, um, and Nick mentioned as well, we had to appeal beyond this core and tender group. Um, And what we saw in the segmentation um, data was when you go beyond that that level, um, you get into um, drivers around kind of support, um, around kind of selfless structures and around kind of a motivation to feel part of something that makes a difference. Um, So that kind of matched well with exactly what this um, tier was was looking for. So I think, it, I think that's a really good point, actually, in terms of um, what made this very powerful was actually that we were looking to go beyond what had traditionally been a very much a, a transactional offering um, that the army had, I think, that we, we sort of talked about what skills you could earn, what money you might be able to earn, the travel and adventure, but actually it was something a little bit further than mm-hmm. that. It was offering purpose, um, which I think is a really powerful thing within this within this target audience. And I think this... You know, this was clearly a deliberate change in change in direction and change in strategy from our point of view. We had lots of data, but we had little insight previously, and this, you know, we 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 recognised that and sort of set out to find this, find the insight that would sort of unlock this uh, challenge for us, and that's not just creatively and through messaging but through media as well and using all of the sort of the rich data and our you know segmentation model our econometric data to really bring all of this together in a very sort of deliberate fashion and where we'd been running uh, separate campaigns previously for the different career streams so um, separate campaigns for regular soldiers one for officers etc that only got us so far. It didn't allow us to grow in the way that we needed to. And also, we think we were actually kind of confusing people in the, mar- the market by different messages at different times. So just having a singular creative platform that we could then go and talk to all of the different audience groups that we need to, but all hanging off this one sort of central emotional benefit. I think that's an interesting point about the, the multiple campaigns and sort of stream-led activity because um, an an inherent challenge that I guess we have is that the army has a a demand plan across the year with different entry points, different points where um, soldiers entering different streams, so regular reserve officer and the like, enter into training. So actually there is um, a slight tension at certain points between what the army's demand is and also what the interest is in market. So it's not a it's not a always a comfortable sort of pairing, which means that actually we needed something that would would resonate all year round and could be dialed up and dialed down to different groups. So rather than being something that was just officer specific uh, i.e. that you might get certain training, certain prestige versus regular soldier in terms of the traditional travel and adventure and excitement, um, just as, as stereotyping those kind of offerings. But I think where belonging 
kind of gave us that um, that aperture into having a really strong um, flexibility within our campaigns, messaging-wise, media-wise, throughout the year, which actually met the demands that the army has um, really appropriately. It feels, in hindsight, as everything does, almost like a no-brainer. I mean, just to tell you a little story of my own family background, my dad left the army 50 years ago and still meets up four times a year with his army buddies. So that sense of belonging does resonate beyond your time in the forces. And obviously you did a great job, as we've just heard about, uh, in terms of orientation and strategic thinking. But it was different. So did it feel like you were stepping perhaps a little bit out of your comfort zone? And did you have to perhaps try harder to convince others, other stakeholders, that it was the right way to go. Yeah, it did, for me, it didn't feel like stepping out of my comfort zone because I you know, realised we had to, to change our approach and to do something differently. For for some of our stakeholders, you're right. I mean, yes, um, expecting to see a certain message played in a certain format, in a certain way, if you like, versus this more human-centric, emotional quiet moments of um, dramatising belonging, you know, and bringing that to life through the storytelling channels that we were using to get this message out. Um, And because we were going to this sort of second and third tier of our target audience and not those core intenders at the the top, it was exactly the right way to go. This was the, this was the, this was our, this was our hook. Some, some of our stakeholders had to um, sort of understand that that this we weren't focusing on that sort of top tier that we had to go beyond that with a different message um, and tell a slightly different story and I guess um, once you lay out that strategic approach and why we were doing it that way I mean we we, we got buy-in from the right people that that was the right way to go. They didn't challenge that. They wanted to make sure we'd done our homework, that we'd got the uh, the, the, the thinking and the strategy right. Um, our, our ongoing challenge is making sure that we are sort of telling that story as far and wide across the army as an organisation of 80,000 people so that they understand why we're doing things in a certain way and why we're going out with a message like this that doesn't always become apparent or obvious for a particular group of people that may have been in the army for a long time or they've, they, they've been in and left, etc. So you've done your homework, the idea is established, the position is set. Talk to me about the creative and how that came to life. Yes, yeah, so um, strategically we had a starting point for the creatives that was different, deliberately different, trying to show a different side to the army that people hadn't seen or heard about. So the challenge to creators was, yeah, we need to bring this to life in an unexpected way that people hadn't um, heard or seen from the army before. Um, And the key way that that the teams did that was um, by not looking in, um, as Nick said, the the kind of action-focused moments where everything is happening and the drama and the kind of traditional excitement is happening, but actually looking in those moments in between all of that action um, where it's quiet, um, it's like perhaps more contemplative, um, there's kind of those more intensity, uh, higher intensity moments of belonging. Um, But that was showing a really different um, kind of side to army life. So I think they did um, a really good job um, at showing that. And the way that they um, kind of executed it was was by um, taking real stories from real soldiers through research that was done with um, both the planners and creative teams um, working on it. So 
the some of the TV ads that kind of were shown were from their actual kind of in, um, research with soldiers about you know those times when they'd felt um, personally a really strong sense of belonging. Um, so we aim to show through kind of the top line channels the the, the kind of um, most interesting sort of emotional um, moments of belonging and that spread across kind of things that were really challenging. Um, so there's one particular ad that has kind of uh, a group of people sort of sitting in the rain um, and someone brings over a cup of tea. So that's obviously not what you would kind of think would be a way to um, to kind of show uh, to show the kind of excitement of army life. Um, but that was a kind of true moment of, of kind of the intensity of, of feeling between these people and that strong sense that um, that they were all part of this team, even though it was a difficult situation. Um, so it showed a kind of surprising set of scenarios um, that were different to what to what you'd seen before um, and executed them in an authentic way, always using real soldiers um, and those real stories, as I said. Uh, just to add to that as well, I think that's that was um, the creative at the, the top line. Yeah having that sort of digital and data-led layer below that. So it, you know, it worked on broadcast channels right through to display, search, et cetera, where we could kind of bring in the emotional benefit with much more um, uh, sort of rational benefits that we'd um, uncovered through, again, some of the the research that we'd done using social listening to, to arrive at this sort of set of drivers that um, we'd looked at, you know, what people were talking about before they'd applied to join previously, and come up with a set of twelve rational drivers that we could attach to this emotional benefit, and how we did that. So, being able to keep the big idea, but then to translate that across all of the different touch points, particularly in the digital space, where we could appeal to people um, based on what we knew about them or what data we had, etc. So, talk to me about the media strategy. How did you get from the top of the funnel to the bottom? Um, yeah, so I think there are there were there were two clear objectives, um, I guess, for the for the media strategy. One was to um, drive consideration at a universal level, um, as as Ronwin and Nick have mentioned, in terms of using those broadcast channels to help us tell the story, unpack what belonging is um, in a surprising way, get that message across um, with enough weight to to land that with the audience. Uh, and their gatekeepers, but then also help the candidates through that long journey and help increase their consideration, their affinity, their interest and their understanding of what the army has to offer and, and leading through to, to rational benefits. Um, now, I think, as we talked about, we needed to move away from kind of planning in sort of mini siloed campaigns of individual streams um, and very much looking at, at, at sort of what we would call systems planning. So um, we have to plan channels and the content and the creative uh, together in the most optimal way to essentially drive growth. And that involves looking at all, all elements of it, whether that is um, looking at above the line headline campaign media uh, through to digital, more personalised retargeting um, activity, but also thinking about the, the, the owned and earned channels that, that Capita and, and the army had um, at their disposal in order to, to drive interest. Um, and I think that we, we looked... Um, at that journey, understood what the barriers were at each level. And clearly we had um, 
we had opportunities, challenges in kind of, I guess, the, the start of someone's process. So I talked about category entry points briefly earlier on. Actually, the army wasn't necessarily coming to mind. We weren't even getting on people's long list of something to um, to choose eventually as a, as a career or as a job. Um, so we had to try and get that message out uh, to as many people as possible, but also understanding uh, the need to speak to their gatekeepers. And that's traditionally parents, but it could be anyone from friends, families, um, you know, and and uh, and anyone else within their community, um, but then also as as we had um, the opportunity to to target people based on, I guess, digital behaviours, um, we were then able to to personalise those those assets a little bit further. Um, I think that the the interesting part in terms of where we managed to try and make belonging feel a little bit more real and genuine um, rather than being dismissed as something that was just a, um, a smart marketing ploy um, was, was utilising, as, as Romans mentioned, sort of real soldiers both in the advertising but then also in a content partnership um, with Unilad, um, who were the, the largest um, of their type at the, at the, that, that time. Um, and I, I think that then helped unpack some of the roles and kind of give bring a bit of reality to, to what people were seeing. Nick mentioned search earlier on. Just illustrate how that was used in the campaign. Yeah, search is uh, a really interesting one for us, actually. It's, it's clearly incredibly important where you have... Um, with a, a what is ultimately a performance client, i.e. someone that is looking to drive um, those sales, and there are short-term requirements, monthly targets to hit, harvesting the interest that you're generating with broadcast media, uh, with PR uh, and the likes is, is incredibly important. So we look to try and tie search as far as possible to those moments that we knew would be on TV, locationally without of home um, and the likes. And actually, it's search is one of the simplest examples of a system um, for example you see a tv ad you then search for what you're you're instructed to in the creative which was um, at the forefront of the creative messaging and then you arrive on site and you can go from there um, so we used it very much at, at, in the harvesting part of the funnel um, but also there are certain elements where people will be searching more generally around jobs. So our generic terms had varying successes, as you'd imagine, in the competitive market that we talked about. But but through optimizations and, and kind of um, understanding what was driving through to ultimately to application or other expressions of interest, we were then able to identify the ones that really seemed to resonate with the target audience and also with our offering. It's well documented the key performance indicators and how successful against those the campaign was. Regular soldier applications rose by 38% and reserve soldier applicants grew by 48%. What other success measures uh, were you looking to achieve with this campaign? So as part of that campaign, we were also looking to to change perceptions with a, a broader group of people. So um, understanding whether they were more interested in considering the army or not, whether uh, parents or gatekeepers that Rob mentioned earlier were more likely to support and encourage um, you know, their son or daughter in joining the army, which is a, a, key, um, a key measure for us. So we had to be able to, to talk to a broader group of people and for them to understand that the army offered lots of different roles. It was not just about combat. You know, you can be a chef you can be a technician you can 
be a communications um, expert, etc. All of these different trades that the army offers to get that message across so that people understood that the army was um, you know, a good place to be. It offered you, you know, sort of skills, the opportunity to... You know, in some instances, it's uh, the army teaching people to read and write. You know, it's it's um, offering some of the the basic foundation skills that for um, you know a group of young people that haven't necessarily engaged in school pot- potentially um, to give them some of those uh, opportunities to grow and develop in different ways. And you see that transition from a young recruit when they begin in training to when they pass out successfully from training, that transition in them and their demeanour and how they conduct themselves, they, they develop this level of confidence and self-belief that they probably didn't know they had. And seeing that transformation happen sort of in front of your eyes is really quite amazing. Um, so we w- this is a sort of an important message that we want to kind of get out to the to the wider market, you know, it's a it's a it's a good employer, lots of opportunities, um, and with op- you know opportunities to grow and develop, not just with sort of skills and qualifications, but as um, as you know, sort of good good citizens in the community as well. I mean, they're very lofty goals and strategic objectives. Uh, certainly, more for a marketer working in consumer goods, for example. How have you rated against those? Many objectives you just outlined there. Well, we've seen um, we do a brand tracker um, survey every quarter where we where we look at how we're performing, um, and we've seen really positive trends from really when the belonging campaign started in 2017. So, you know, levels of interest generally in joining have um, have been on the up since that campaign started, and we're you know we we saw. We were at a four or five year high um, about 12 months ago and we've, we've sustained that. We've seen levels of parental encouragement steadily increase. I think it increased by something in the region of 60% over a two-year period. Um, we're not there yet, clearly, but we maintain that sort of goal and objective um, to continue to improve that and things you know that we're doing month on month to, to sort of steadily build and grow across all of those different measures and metrics. I guess on the other side as well, you know, we are, we're spending taxpayers' money. Um, therefore, how, how and where we invest and the return on that investment is something that we look at very closely um, to make sure that we are spending at the right level um, so we're not under-investing and missing our application targets and we're not overspending um, and being inefficient with that. So again, these are sort of core core measures that we will look at. Um, we use econometric modelling. We do that twice a year to sort of look at how we're spending that money and the return on that investment that that gives us and therefore what we do on the back of that to change either our media strategy or those investment levels and to make sure that's calibrated as you know as scientifically as we can get it appreciating it's not an exact science subsequent campaigns in 2018 and 2019 focused around your objective of widening the demographic pool i think you called upon people of different religions and snowflakes and selfie addicts to consider a career in the army but it, they did meet with some controversy talk to me about that well, I think overall, you know, the uh, the reaction we've had to to each 
iteration of the campaign has been pretty balanced, actually. Um, yes, there's a sort of a, a loud noise on Twitter from certain quarters that are outraged with you know some of the subjects that we've addressed. Um, we think we're talking about you know sort of a, a modern and progressive army um, that you know need, needs to, to develop and grow as an organization and we're just sort of reflecting that in our in our communications there was a great there was a great um, article in the the new statesman actually when uh, we launched the campaign in 2018 saying that uh, they can't think of a more thankless task in British advertising than coming up with a new advert for the armed forces um, and whichever route you're going to d- go down you're going to get a load of stick either way. Uh, and in some ways, that's the the territory that we find ourselves in. You're either sort of glorifying um, war, or you know, you're you're being soft and politically correct. And that's the the creative tightrope that I think we try and uh, we try and navigate our way across for each iteration of the campaign that we're developing. Recruiting people to serve in the army might be one of the most challenging tasks in marketing, but what we've heard today about the importance of targeting and segmentation, of good insight and great creative provides lessons for all. Nick, Rob, Ronwin, thanks for your time today. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. And now here's my Marketing Week colleague, Michael Barnett, is going to explore how this campaign generated a direct response through search, why it achieved the results it did and how other brands might be able to replicate that. Thank you, Russell. I'm here with Gemma Howley again, who is the search lead for UK and Ireland at Google. We're going to talk a little bit more about that army campaign in a second. Before we do, Gemma, will you just remind us a little bit about your role at Google? Sure. So as you said, I am the search lead for UKI. I'm essentially focused on helping the largest clients and agencies in the UK get the most out of search. Um, So we really just want to help solve our customers' business challenges. And we believe that search is, is a big part of that. Great, thank you. Um, So how did the search tactics integrate with the creative message and the campaign objectives in this campaign for the Army? This campaign showed how the team delivered consistency. Consistency in messaging across channels and for search really showcased how the channel can deliver an emotive message. Find where you belong and search Army jobs was consistent across all the platforms that they used. And then those interested by the ads across those various channels were able to find what matters to them by using the search call to action. They were able to be connected to the right information. So the team really ensured good coverage across the search results page on all core terms relating to the campaign. So it was just a really well-executed cross-channel piece of work. I think it's twofold, really. It's that consistency of message with the search call to action and then search being the channel that connects the users to what matters. And what was so impressive about what this campaign achieved and how it did it? Oh, I think it was just a big, bold campaign that really achieved cut through. The change in narrative from guns and tanks to the human experience was arguably kind of unexpected, which I think worked pretty well. It generated national debate, it got people talking, and as a result, not only did it drive the numbers, which is fantastic, but it was able to shift perceptions on a career in the army, which is no mean feat. Uh, The team grabbed attention, they generated debate whilst delivering that consistent messaging and at the forefront of it all was that clear call to action, search army jobs. So from my point of view, it was fantastic to see search play such a key role in this campaign. And Do you have any advice for brands and marketers who want to emulate the success of this campaign? 
I think for the people of the UK, search is just so important to them. It's the front page of the internet. It's the place we go to to answer all of our questions. And lest we forget, people are more curious, they're more impatient, they're more demanding than they've ever been. So when people turn to search, advertisers need to be assistive. They need to make sure that search works like magic. So if I was to give advice for marketers who want to make search work for them, they're are really three things that they should consider. The first is that they need to be there. Users expect to be assisted wherever they go, and if you're not appearing as an advertiser, then there's a good chance your competitor will be. The second thing is to be useful. Consumers respond to brands who understand their needs. Brands have to optimise so they're relevant to the user. They need to see that personalised messaging. Um, and as part of that, brands do need to understand their own lifetime value as a brand, so it's kind of twofold. And then finally, advertisers need to make sure that they're quick. They need to be frictionless. To succeed, brands must deliver fast and frictionless experiences. Otherwise, some other brand will be doing that and they'll miss out. I know that a one-second delay in mobile load times can impact conversion rates by up to 20%. So it's really key when we're looking at those bottom-line results as well. So yeah, be there, be useful, be quick. That's our advice for brands and marketers. So just give us some examples of where search can add magic in campaigns that you've seen and how brands can help their audiences find what matters with search. We covered a fantastic piece of work from Direct Line on this podcast, where they use search not only as a direct response channel, but as a driver of insights. And that allowed them to shape their entire campaign strategy. We also saw how they use search volume trends to inform TV phasing. And whilst they saw search deliver great results from a sales and a cost per sale perspective, which is fantastic, that's when the channel takes stage front and centre and really does its work. But it can also work its magic in the background as well, as a driver of strategy because of those rich insights that are available through the channel. So I thought that was a really great example. But ultimately, the best search examples I see is when the channel is tackling the core business challenge, the single most important thing that the company cares about. I'll give you an example. We recently worked with a retailer who cared about profit. That was the single most important thing to them. But they were optimising to a fixed budget and a fixed cost per sale target because that's just the way it had always been done. The cost per sale target ensured efficiency for sure, but it didn't capture all the profitable sales that were available. So what they did was applied a laser focus to profit. The retailer put their energy into feeding in their own business data to search campaigns and started optimising towards an informed return on ad spend target instead. So ultimately what we're saying here is from moving from an arbitrary metric to what they actually cared about, which was profit, they saw double-digit growth. Gemma Howley, thank you very much again. You have been listening to Marketing That Matters, sponsored by Google Search and brought to you by Bauer Creative London with me, Russell Parsons, and producer Tim O'Donoghue. The next episode, we will be discussing Britvic's successful revitalization of the Robinsons brand. You can subscribe via Marketing Week's page on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud, where you can check out our other podcast, Marketing Week Meets and Marketing Week Explores. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by Google Search. Google Search helps millions of people across the UK every day, whether they are finding ideas and inspiration, discovering brands, or looking for the best deal. Search is where your customers find what matters to them, so it's where you can find what matters to your business. To find out more, search for Think With Google UK. That's thinkwithgoogle.co.uk.